This week, we introduce you to my new web series, Conspiracism. Hold, hold on, is this paid advertising? No, it's worse. It's unpaid advertising. <sighs> Fair enough, but I'm docking your wages for this. And I'm not surprised. Yes, if you like conspiracy theory, and if you are listening to this podcast and you don't, you must really, 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 really like our banter. Then Conspiracism is the series for you. Mm, catchy title. What's it all about, Alfie? It's a look at the academic study of conspiracy theory. So whilst there will be some deep dives into conspiracy theories, both good and bad, it's going to largely be a discussion of how academics like myself talk and deal with conspiracy theories and the theory of conspiracy theory. Well, that sounds grand. Where can people find it? YouTube. Search for Conspiracism there or click the link in the description of this pod or vodcast. Uh, and I guess there's a Patreon as well? There sure is. Well, that sounds fine and dandy. Uh, I hardly recommend people go and check it out. Um, if only because otherwise Ian will be mentioning it every goddamn week until the end of eternity. And beyond, Google is working on how to advertise to people in the afterlife, don't you know? But for now, let's return focus to this show, The Podcaster's Guide to the Conspiracy. Uh, so, what's coming up on this episode? I have no idea. You see, I don't care about this thing anymore. I'm a YouTuber now. Fine. Well, <clears throat> this week I'll be discussing the doll's plan, reminiscing about cultural Marxism, and trying to pronounce Russian words despite not actually speaking the language. And you, you'll be, you'll be doing what, exactly? Preening myself. Because I'm worth it. The Podcaster's Guide to the Conspiracy. Hello, and welcome to The Podcaster's Guide to the Conspiracy. I, as usual, am Josh Addison in Auckland, New Zealand, sitting directly next to Dr. M. Irx Dentith, also in Auckland. And also usual. Mm. So, uh, as, as that little intro possibly suggested, you're, you, you've branched out into YouTube stardom? Eventually, I'm yes, sure. Yes, I hope that maybe someone might watch my little YouTube series. So yes, I'm going to be weekly, hopefully, working on 10 to 15 minute videos on conspiracy theory theory for the elucidation of the common person and also the common rhino, because I do think that rhinos are not looked after by the YouTube segment of YouTubers at this stage. And I use the word YouTube there too often, but that's because when you are a YouTuber, you are contractually obliged to use the word YouTube every 15.5 milliseconds YouTube. Mm. I think you're also contractually obliged to start every episode with what's up and, and only ever refer to yourself by oh, saying... Oh, and also, if you smash that like button. Smash the like button and... Ring that bell. Only if you refer to yourself Jazz by saying... hands and spirit fingers. It's your boy, regardless of your gender or age. I don't... Oh, I suppose I could go, it's your boy, conspiracism. We're going to get the hip-hop mm. and the lowdown on the conspiracy theory theory. Booyah. I now feel like I'm 4,000 years old. Mm, no. Well, if I've learnt one thing from, uh, well from sitting there while my children watch YouTube, uh, YouTubers on video, uh, volume is an acceptable substitute for talent. Well, I'm going to be fine then. Mm. I am going to be fine. But anyway, this right here is not your new web series. This is your old podcast slash web series. It's true. I'm mm. just a, I, it's like about a media empire. 
Mm. So, uh, I have my notes in front of me right now about what we're actually going to be talking about today, which is not, I'm sorry to disappoint you, yourself and your new web series. Is it Parakeets? It is not Parakeets. It is Russia. Mother Russia. I would have accepted Paraclesius. No. I'm afraid well, to be disappointed. Well, then let's talk about Russia and how sometimes America plots to destroy Russia mm. from the inside or the outside or from around the bend. It's mm. just one of those things. Don't be disgusting. I'll be as disgusting as I like on my own YouTube series, Conspiracism. Actually, it won't be disgusting. It's a very serious show. Mm. I'm going to put a chime in there. I'll just go straight into it. No, we're going to put the chime right here. Right, so now it's 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 kind of a common, it's kind of a cliche almost, really, uh, that conspiracy theories uh, are around uh, from within the West, saying how forces from without the West uh, are in some way plotting to bring it down. Um, in decades past, it's been communism from Russia, those commies plotting to to destroy the American way of life and, by extension, the rest of the West. Uh, in more recent times, we've talked about. China and its, what do they call it? Soft force? Soft power. Soft power. Soft force. Sounds like like something a washing machine does. No, that was a straight-to-VHS action film from 1984, which starred all the Z-less celebrities, the people who are in the back scene of Olivia Gruner films. Precisely. Soft power. If you know who Olivia Gruner is, then you're our kind of person. And you've probably watched the film Mars, and... I am really, really sorry for you because that's a hard film to like. Mm. Uh, but anyway, so apart, apart from China and its soft power, um, also the, the forces of cultural Marxism, which we will be coming back to, I think, later on in this episode, uh, are, all, are all plotting to, to destroy Western values, Western society in general. But sometimes it turns out that there are forces plotting to destroy... Russian society, or at least it's alleged there are forces to defeat Russian society. And now we get to the real, real important question. Mm. How do we pronounce the name of this plan? I'm just going to say Dulles. I, I will accept that. It might be... The Dulles plan? Might be, might, might be Dulles, might be Dulles. No, I'm just going to say Dulles. Because that's it's how it's D-U-L-L-E-S. We're going for Dulls. Actually, it sounds quite nice. The Dulls plan. Yeah. Uh, so the Dulls plan, or or the Dulls doctrine, as some people call it, I think simply because alliteration makes it sound nicer, um, is the conspiracy theory that we're going to be discussing today. And it's a conspiracy theory which is currently very popular in Russia to explain how outside forces are trying to destroy Russia from the inside, which, interesting enough is quite fascinating given the theories in America about Russia trying to destroy it from the inside. Yeah, so it, it's kind of it's kind of nice really. It's kind of life affirming in a way to know that we're all we're all kind of the same that while America's busy worrying that Russia's plotting to bring it down at exactly the same time Russia is coming up with theories that America is silently plotting to undermine its society and bring it in. Well, it in Australasia, we imagine that the Chinese mm. are plotting to destroy us from the inside. Everybody has an outside enemy to blame the woes of their society upon. It's wonderful and terrifying and horrible all at the same time. Hmm. But uh, the Dulles Doctrine in particular, I think I'm going to st- stick to Dulles Doctrine just because it sounds just because it's got that 
It's got the, the, the alliteration. It's, I'm pretty sure that's a 1994 compu- computer game, The Dolls Doctrine, starring Lara Croft. Well, that makes it even better. Uh, so, what is it, though? That's the, that's the real question. Do you want to take it, or, do you, or shall I? You've got the notes. I Once do again, have I'm, the notes. I'm, I'm, still, I'm still lacking on the whole tablet front due to a tragic seafaring accident. Mm. So, The Dolls, the Dolls Plan Slash Doctrine... Um, is a popular popular conspiracy theory these days in Russia. It's been around since the sort of 1990s, early 90s. Uh, it is named after a Mr. Alan Dulles. Now he's a fellow. He's he's been sort of peripheral to a few. Yeah, of the so he is a real person. About. He's a real person. Yeah. He's been involved in American establishment for quite some time. Yep. He was the director of the CIA from 1953 to 1961. Um, eventually, uh, he had to resign in '61 over the Bay of Pigs fiasco, which is what America backed an invasion of Cuba, an attempted coup. Yes, which of course leads in quite really nicely badly. to yeah. theories about why JFK was assassinated, which makes Allen even more interesting, because of course, after being involved in the Bay of Pigs fiasco, he was also involved in the Warren Commission, mm. which investigated the assassination of JFK. He was one of the actual commissioners of the Warren Commission and was, was supposedly sort of being put on there uh, to, to give them some expertise on exactly how to interview CIA people and, and how to talk to them. But um, So he's, I mean, he, he was a, a general, I think, in World War Two. Which confuses me slightly because they keep uh, articles I've read about and keep referring to him as the first um, the first civilian head of intelligence, but he wasn't a civilian, but I assume that they're using it in a different sense. Maybe he was no longer Ooh, in the military well, that's... when he was made director. Possibly, or due to the weird way in which people got rank in the army mm. during World War Two, sometimes you got an honorific rank. Yeah, because he was very much he was military intelligence. He wasn't. He wasn't yeah, on the so, front lines. Yeah, so he may well have been given mm. a rank, but not being considered part of the military proper. Things get very confusing during world wars. That's why we try not to have too many of them. Yes, in a perfect world, yes. Um, but anyway, supposedly this conspiracy theory goes. That um, after just after World War Two in the 1940s, uh, Alan Dulles came up with this plan to destroy Russia. Which, and of course, you know that's that's we all know that after World War Two, it was very much set up that the remaining two powers were sort of America and Russia. And so, immediately, in fact, even before World War Two was over, America was thinking, okay, how are we going to make sure that Russia doesn't um, doesn't come out best against us? And indeed, the theory, one of the theories is, isn't it, that the reason why they dropped the A-bombs on Hiroshima and Nagasaki was more, more about showing Russia don't mess with us than actually about defeating Japan. Yes, because as people point out, it wasn't really necessary to bomb Hiroshima or Nagasaki at that point Japan in the war. Was pretty the Japanese, much on the ropes. Yes, war machine was in collapse. It was kind of an overreaction, mm. but it makes sense if it's actually meant to display power to a third party going, oh, by the way... We've got these special Did we bombs. We can destroy cities. You know, yeah, we can destroy cities if we yeah. want to. Yeah, just lob yeah. bombs at you. Mm. Um, so apparently, at the, at around this time, World War Two is over. Now, now America's attention turns to how can we um, undermine Russia, and supposedly Alan, Alan Dulles came up with this plan. Now the. Um, the, the, the quote that has been ascribed to him, I'll, I'll read the whole thing out, because it basically it sets everything out for you. <clears throat> Supposedly he said, or wrote, By sowing chaos in Russia, we'll imperceptibly replace their values with false ones which we'll force them to believe in. 
How? We'll find our accomplices, helpers, and allies in Russia herself. In a series of episodes, a tragedy grandiose in scale will be played out. The demise of the last unbroken nation on Earth. The final irrevocable extinguishment of her national self-consciousness. From art and literature, for example, we'll gradually exterminate the social element. We'll retrain artists, discourage them, and discourage in them the desire to depict the world, and examine those processes taking place in the masses of the people. Literature, the theatre, and the cinema will all proclaim the basest of human feelings. We'll use all our means to support and promote those so-called creators who will hammer into the people's consciousness the cult of sex, violence, sadism and betrayal, in a word, immorality. He goes on, we'll create chaos and confusion in the workings of the government. We'll actively but unnoticeably encourage bureaucratic stupidity and bribe-taking. Bureaucratic red tape will be elevated to a virtue. Honesty and orderliness will be ridiculed as being of no use to anyone, an anachronism. Rudeness and insolence, lies and deceit, drunkenness and drug addiction, animal fear of everyone and everything, indecency, betrayal, nationalism and strife between ethnic groups, and above all, hatred for the Russian ethos. We'll cultivate all of that quietly and skillfully. And only the few, the very few, will guess or understand what's happening, but we'll put such people in a helpless situation, turn them into objects of ridicule, we'll find a way to slander them and declare them the dregs of society. So, uh, as, as they said in an episode of Futurama one time, interesting if true. Also, that doesn't read like the kind of thing that someone writes down, unless you're writing... A fictional speech for a villain in a book or a film. Indeed, certainly referring to Russia as the last unbroken nation on Earth. Seems a bit, a bit of a strange thing for an yeah, American that, Yeah, to that's say. not the kind of thing you expect from an American intelligence officer to praise the enemy they're about to destroy. Mm. But um, p- part of the reason for that might be, of course, because it was... Um, uh, that that was translated back into English from a Russian newspaper article. So supposedly, the theory, this conspiracy theory of the Dulles uh, Doctrine, gained prominence in the early nineties, which one must note is about fifty years after this plan was supposedly uh, first thought up. Well, I mean, in that time, they did destroy communism, so well done, the Dolls Doctrine. Indeed. Uh, so it first appeared in a pro-communist newspaper called Narodnia Pravda, which I think is the people's truth. Pravda is definitely truth, because there's plenty of other newspapers called that. Pretty sure Narodnia is people. Um, and, that, and that was, I, I believe, what I just read out came from the, the article that first uh, popularised it. Um and so if, I suppose we should we should address the the Russian speaking elephant in the room. Is the Dulles plan real? Well, the simple answer is no. Mm. The complex answer is: Have you heard of the elders of the Protocols of Zion, or as it's actually known, the Protocols of the Elders of Zion, the well, Elders of the pro- pro- Protocols? Because, like that particular text, what you've just heard is actually lifted from fiction rather than fact. So we should go dun-dun-dun now. Dun-dun-dun-dun? Thank you. So no, it's not true, but the story of where it comes from is fascinating. It is. Um, so some researchers and reporters, sort of uh, possibly like us figuring that that sounded a little bit odd, did a bit of research um, and basically found a, a version of this, of this plan in a novel called The Eternal Call, written by one uh, Anatoly Ivanov. Uh, he wrote it in the 70s. It was eventually uh, 
uh, cleared by the, the Russian censors and published in the early 1980s, I think. Um, so at one point in this book, uh, one of the book's villains, and as you point out, it is a fairly villainous-sounding speech, uh, one of the book's villains, who is a Trotskyite and a Nazi collaborator, um, details his plan to defeat Russia after World War II. Um, so, yeah, that, 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 that kind of explains why it sounds like a, a fictional villain describing their master plan, because it came from a book in which the fictional villain describes it as their master plan. Now, what I must point out here is I love the fact that the villain here is a Nazi collaborator and a Trotskyite, because, of course, that shows the anti-Trotsky sentiment that continued post-Stalin, which of course ties in quite nicely with one of my favourite Soviet examples, the Moscow show trials, mm. where they made up evidence that there was a Trotskyist plot to, to topple Stalin. Indeed, and as you mentioned the Protocols of the Elders of Zion, it's worth pointing out that the book itself also had uh, apparently had quite quite the anti-Semitic undercurrent, and supposedly Trotskyism and Judaism were sort of mashed together as as this enemy force uh, rallied against Russia. Um, and and the, the the similarities they kind of persist really. I mean, you've got uh, a fictional text which forms the basis for a conspiracy theory, and yet in both the cases of the Protocols of the Elders of Zion and uh, the Eternal Call the fact that it's fictional hasn't really stopped the conspiracy theories in either case, has it? No, because as we've seen with the protocols, there's a class of anti-Semitic conspiracy theorists who goes, yes, I accept the protocols are fake or a forgery, but they're spiritually true. Mm. So even though they don't describe an actual thing, they describe an intent by the Jewish people so yes, they're fake, but they point to what Jewish people actually believe, which is the perfect faint you have here. Because I know they're fake, but are they? I mean, I know they're fake, but really, are they? Mm. And we get the same thing with the Dulles Doctrine here. We have a, well, we know that this particular speech comes from a fictional text, and we know that there was no such thing as the Dulles Doctrine, really. But... It did happen, didn't it? Hmm. Um, and indeed, some people took it a little bit further and suggested that um, that even of uh, had contacts in the KGB or possibly some other mysterious sources who were giving him inside knowledge that, um, that that the Americans really were planning this. So his work of fiction was actually his way of kind of getting it out there, of of letting people know about this plan in a in a roundabout way. Which, of course, is one of the theories people had about the Da Vinci Code. Oh yes, it's a fictionalised novel about the hidden Jesus bloodline, but Dan Brown was basically getting a message out there which would be unpalatable if he wrote it as a work of fact, but we can get the message out by hiding it as a work of fiction. Mm. And in a, in a lovely bit of, of, of sort of historical poetry, things come full circle because it turns out that in 1921... Uh, while at the, the U.S. Embassy in Istanbul, one, let me see here, Alan Dulles was one of the people who worked on proving that the Protocols of the Elders of Zion was a forgery. Done, so done, done! It all, it all comes full circle. He, he apparently um, tried to persuade the U.S. State Department to publicly denounce the Protocols as a forgery, but was not successful in that. 
And actually there's an entire theory there as to why the US weren't willing to be vocal about that. Something that we should probably do when we do an episode on the protocols at some point, because yeah. we've actually never discussed the protocols. No, they've, they've come up a bunch of times, but we never devoted a full episode to them. I and think. the reason why was that when I was at the Hotel de Bilderberg conference earlier this year, there was a talk by a German historian who's basically written an entire book on the writing of the protocols and the role of the protocols in anti-Semitic conspiracy theories. And it turns out that a lot of the things that we think we know about the protocols aren't actually true. So the whole, they were created at the behest of Russian agents to persuade the Tsar, actually not true. And it kind of means I have to read this book, and it's a very, very long book. And I want to read it, but I've got other things going on in the background. So once I've read that book, you'll get an, an episode. I just have to find time to read that book. Mm. Oh well, it's something to look forward to. But um, as you as you point out, the the Dull's doctrine to undermine traditional Russian values and bring Russian society into decline may not be true, but Russian Russia certainly has moved away from its its quote unquote traditional values. It's become more liberal, more westernized. Communism fell. Um, which has led people to sort of say, and in fact, there's, apparently there's a popular meme in Russia which translates as the Dulls plan does not exist, still works. Yes, yeah, so it gets you into that really interesting thing where communism in Russia failed, and it failed for a variety of different reasons, both external and internal. But of course, if you are a firm communist or a firm autocrat, who is concerned that Russia is losing its place in the world and losing its traditional values, and you end up going, well, I've heard about this doctrine that was designed to destroy Russia from the inside, and Russia has been destroyed. Well, something must have been going on. Mm. So it gives you evidence, the end point, that there must have been a cause of the conspiracy. Yes. Um, and on top of that, I mean, it's not... There are elements um, which we can of it that we can point to. We've talked in the past about the fact that the CIA. What did they do? They sponsored abstract expressionist they art. They sure did. They did love a little bit of the old mm. Jackson Pollock. So, what was the thinking behind that? The idea was to display to Europeans that America had a vibrant intellectual culture, on the notion that Americans were looking back towards the old world and go, oh, they've got the art, they've got the culture. And so it was in the CIA's interest, they go, no, 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 no. We need to actually bolster our own expertise and our own aesthetic appreciation, which also then allows us to send our people overseas and we can set up missions that way. Mm. So it both allowed them to go, we shall increase patriot patriotism for Americans and also give us an excuse to go on junkets to talk to people overseas as well. Mm. So the projection of American cultural values um, overseas, it, even as an attempt to sway communism in some way, is not... Is, out of, out, out yeah. of the question. It's not out of the question at all. But it's just that this particular yeah. version of the plan didn't occur. Mm. And so, yeah, I mean, it, it brings us back to we've, we 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 one thing we have devoted a full episode to in the past was, of course, cultural Marxism, which is kind kind of the the other way around. Although cultural Marxism, again, 
wasn't was was less about external forces than than forces from within the West trying to bring it down, wasn't it? Well, cultural Marxism, or to give it its old name, back in Germany, cultural Bolshevism, because of course it is a Nazi term referring to Bolsheviks and their cultural move to try and destroy Germany from the inside, is very much there are agents in your own country who are fighting against you. Of course, cultural Marxism now basically means any politically correct thing that I don't like. Yeah, yeah, it's turned into one of those. Um, so I think, uh, have we said all we can say about the Dolls plan? It's, it's quite interesting to read about, really, and draw the parallels between other conspiracy theories going in the other direction. It's quite nice to talk about a conspiracy theory that's widely believed in Russia, and yet not many people know about mm. it outside of... Well, what was the the Soviet the, Union? Yeah, the Soviet Union. Yes. Well, there we go. So it is. I, I, I actually, I that until I until you uh, forwarded the article upon which a lot of this episode was based, um, it never really occurred to me that other countries must have their own sorts of conspiracy theories. I mean, of course, we we look at the Middle East, and obviously, there's lots of sort of anti-Semitic, anti-Muslim conspiracy theories that go around that sort of thing, but. Um, Maybe that's something to look at in the future. What other, what other countries have their own little conspiracy theories that we wouldn't have heard of here in the West? And the thing is, most countries will have their own little mm. conspiracy. No, most people don't know about the Celtic New Zealand thesis well, outside yes, yes. of Aotearoa New Zealand. Depending on the country you're in and depending on what kind of history you have and who your enemies have been historically, you're going to have all sorts of theories that blame those people for the ills of your society today, or depending on whether you're a colonised or non-colonised country, you're going to have all sorts of theories claiming, actually, no, we were here first. We were here first. I mean, I know we weren't here when we arrived, but we were here before the other people arrived. They just ate us. Mm. They really, really ate us. Yes, and at the end of the day, everyone has enemies in one way or another, and everybody's going to assume their enemies are conspiring against them. I don't. You don't? No. None at all? I've got people who think they're my enemy. But they're really not. Oh, well, that's all right then. I know. You have a deep and abiding love of all humanity. Oh, no, I hate all humanity. I just don't have any enemies. Right, okay. No, no, none in particular. Well, there you go then. The Dulls plan does not exist. Still works. Yep. Still works. And now, the news. Breaking, breaking conspiracy theories in the news. Our top story this week features Dr. Ben Carson, one-time US presidential hopeful and currently Secretary of Housing and Urban Development, who's finally discovered the real puppeteers behind the Brett Kavanaugh sexual molestation charges. The Fabians. The Fabian Society was, and still is, a British socialist organisation. Founded in the late 19th century, their goal is to advance, via gradualist and reformist work, democratic socialism. They're quite against revolutionary overthrow, which means some leftists love them and others hate them with a passion beyond belief. Dr. Carson told an audience of conservative activists last Friday that the allegations against Justice Kavanaugh were part of a socialist plot, which has been going on for a long time, dating back to the Fabian Society. 
Now, the Fabians did have a US chapter, but it is no longer active. But that's no challenge to Dr. Carson, who went on to claim that the Fabians controlled the US media and education system and thought they had control of the judiciary until President Trump came along. Yes, blaming secret or not-so-secret societies for the political ills of one's own country or party is nothing new, and the Fabians have been linked to ills big and small throughout the 20th century. Fabians have been accused of furthering the rights of women, promoting open relationships, uh-huh. agitating for workers' rights and the like throughout the 20th century. For people of a particular political bent, the Fabians are the quintessential enemy, given they promote progressive rather than conservative values. And some aspects of Fabian history are awkward for modern-day leftists. The society is still active politically in the UK and Aotearoa New Zealand, for example, because the Fabians were in favour of eugenics and forced sterilisation back in the early 1900s. However, Dr Carson's claim that there's a long-standing plot by the Fabians to destroy America and the American way of life looks less like a well-evidenced conspiracy theory and more like the usual let's blame Group X for these troubles. In the past, politicians in the US have blamed Freemasons, Catholics, and all kinds of societies for all sorts of ills. Now it's the Fabians. Next week, Buffaloes. I guess the biggest question to hand is that if the Fabians really do control the media, why have they let Mel Gibson start making films again? That's a very good question, and I suspect if we could answer that, there really wouldn't be any more questions left to answer. And now, the requisite bit of Trump news, brought to you by our non-existent sponsor, who just wants there to be another election already. This week has been Trump-heavy, what with Trump himself being laughed at at a United Nations General Assembly meeting he was chairing, and people questioning Trump's dismissal of the scientific estimates of how many people died in the natural disaster which befell Puerto Rico recently. But of interest to us is the talk that Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein may have, may have, with members of the Department of Justice, conspired against Trump. The New York Times reported last week that anonymous sources claimed Rosenstein mentioned wearing a wire to record Trump and that he had discussions with White House staffers about invoking the 25th Amendment. The 25th Amendment is a mechanism by which, if the Vice President and the majority of the Cabinet determine the President is unable to discharge the powers and duties of their office, the Vice President becomes President. Which means that if reports about Rosenstein's actions were true, this would have to include Vice President Mike Pence, which does make it sound like there exists a conspiracy by White House insiders to topple a sitting president. Uh, Now, of course, this has been denied by Rosenstein, Pence, and other staffers. Now, you might say, but of course they're going to deny it. But some sources who spoke to other media outlets claimed that while Rosenstein did talk about wearing a wire, it was in the context of a joke, rather than a man trying to gather dirt on the president. However, the New York Times also claims to have access to internal memos which were made after the alleged conversations, which means that even with denials by Rosenstein, Vice President Mike Pence and other staffers, the story is not likely to go away. Which might be kind of the point. What better way to addle Trump than to say, we have evidence these things were said, which is likely to make a paranoid man even more paranoid. Add to this that Rosenstein is the person overseeing the Robert Mueller investigation into that pesky Russian collusion thing, and you have a recipe for political disaster. 
People are already making bets as to how long it is before Rosenstein resigns. Which brings up Conspiracy Theory 2. Is this a setup to either get Attorney General Jeff Sessions to take over supervising the Mueller investigation, or a new Deputy Attorney General who might be more amenable to Trump's wish to shut the investigation down? Finally, some local news. Our own security intelligence service have carried out a search for listening devices at the University of Canterbury office of Professor Anne-Marie Brady, whose home was broken into in February of this year. The suspected culprits are agents of Beijing. Brady has written extensively on China's influence in Australasia, having written her PhD on the topic and also a book. Her work is focused on the rise of soft power by China and Australasia, and according to her and other academics in the field, this work has not gone down well with the agents of the People's Republic of China. As such, the February break-in is now suspected to be a possible target of Chinese espionage, and this has been taken seriously not just by our own intelligence services, but also by agencies like Interpol. We've discussed China's interest in this region of the world before, this very episode in fact, and this is either more evidence of the paranoia of our fellow citizens or evidence of spying in our own backyards. Whatever the case, China is denying any responsibility, while the police and Brady are strongly suggesting the existence of a cover-up. More news as it comes to hand. Meanwhile, in our bonus content, we follow up even further on the continuing farce, which is the Brett Kavanaugh affair, more talk on the various bans being handed down on Alex Jones, and we ask the question of what caused school children in Carterton to get sick. Yes, indeed we do, but now's not the time for special bonus content. Now's the time to wrap up this episode. And wrap it up we will with, with special magical words. Mm-hmm. You, you, do you have special magical words? La Rivadere! Ah, that's, how's that special and magical? It's saying it's goodbye in Romanian. Okay. I'm pretty sure that's how Dracula says goodbye when he, he leaves one of his lover's rooms having drained them of blood. He just leans out the window, goes, La Rivadere! Turns into bat and flies away. It's a magical word, Joshua. I made it work. You sure did, actually. I won't, I won't argue with that at all. In fact, all I will say is... Goodbye. Larry Vidale. Das Vidanya. You've been listening to the podcaster's Guide to the Conspiracy. It is written, researched, and performed by Josh Atterson, a.k.a. Monkey Fluids, and MRX Dentith, a.k.a. Conspiracism on Twitter. This podcast is available where all good podcasts can be found, as well as iTunes, Podbean, and Stitcher. It can also be watched on YouTube. Just search for the podcaster's Guide to the Conspiracy, or, if you happen to be technophobic, consult the auguries. You can support the podcaster's Guide to the Conspiracy via our Patreon page, as listed in the podcast description, or just by searching for us on Patreon. You can also support us via the Podbean patronage system, if that is more your style. You do you. If you want to get in contact with us, why not email us at podcastconspiracy at gmail.com or find us on Facebook. And remember, they're coming to get you, Barbara.